You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead. Hey guys, this is Josh Crouch, and the Road to Detroit podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. I'm about to use a term that we haven't used very much on this program. Before we do that, the question becomes, how do we measure success? Not at one particular level of the minor leagues. From top to bottom, how do we take everything we've seen this year and assess effectively and evaluate what has worked and what has not worked? This is going to be an exceptionally important task for whoever comes in as the next general manager of the Detroit Tigers. There are different factors. People pay attention to different details. So what might be considered a success to some may not be considered a success to others. There are metrics that matter. There are some numbers that matter that many of us don't have access to. But what in itself and at its core is one of the most simple reflections of success? Well, in the minor leagues, it's probably twofold. Number one, how many players do you get promoted throughout the system in any given year? And secondly, did those teams win ball games? And how about this? It is very easy to have not noticed this, but all four affiliates of full-season baseball for the Detroit Tigers minor league system this year have winning records. This is the first time in a very, very long time that all four levels have seen a team over 500. Toledo Mudhens, at the time of this recording, 13 games over 500. The Erie Seawolves at AA, 24 games over 500. High A West Michigan, 10 games over. And even Low A Lakeland, which is stunning to me because of how many 18 and 19-year-old players have played with Lakeland throughout this year. So many young players and prospects who have been going up against players who are two, three, four, and five years older, four games over 500. Truth be told, that team could have gone 30 games under 500, and I don't think anybody would have batted an eye at it. If anything, that was the developmental playground of the Tigers system this year. Add it all up. The full season affiliates are 50 games over 500. And you might be listening to this and you might be saying, okay, cool, wins are fine. Anybody who's honest with themselves about evaluating minor league baseball looks deeper than wins and losses. Any given minor league team can go out and lose 10 to 3 on a given day, but if the top prospect in the org plays there and he hits three home runs, Many people will look at you as having a good day. But what else goes into that? Well, how about guys playing the best baseball of their professional careers and taking what's already in that system and maximizing those you already have? They put the pieces back together for guys like Wenzel Perez, 
He's turned it around this year. It started in West Michigan. It's now gotten even better in AA. Same goes for Parker Meadows. How about turning Dane Myers from a flame-out pitcher to a 2020 position player? He's got 24 homers, and he's stolen over 20 bases. This was a former pitcher. Turn Kerry Carpenter from organizational filler to somebody we've had on this show and a 30-home run hitter in the minor leagues. Turn that guy into a big leaguer. And last but not least, turn a non-drafted pitcher into a top 100 major league prospect, Wilmer Flores. Let's go back to the very beginning. Allow me to use a phrase that we haven't used on this show the way we're about to use it now. Let me tell you what we might be looking at for the first time in a long time. This, this right here is what effective player development is supposed to look like. Effective player development. This is a results-based business. It doesn't matter if you're new to the organization and player development or you've been here for many years. And sure, there have been some similar stories the last couple of years along the way. But the ones that have taken place this year feel more impactful. There's more to get to this year than there has been in past years. This is player development. And when it's going well enough, you also get stories like those too. Case in point, a big league promotion for this young man. A one. Lester swings, cracks it deep right center. Canning looks up, that ball is gone. Tie game. Touch them all time. Josh Lester, number 25. We love to celebrate when somebody makes it to the major leagues, and especially in a case like this. And I said this on social media this past week. You can follow me at that Dan Hasty. If you don't like Josh Lester, there might be something wrong with you. And anytime we get a story involving somebody who spent eight years waiting for his chance in the major leagues, you know we're not going to miss that opportunity. Missing things like that, it's not what this show's about. We always say the process of player development has two major factors. Number one, how hard the player works and the quality of said team's player development system. And for Josh Lester, he was putting in that work years ago. Started back when he got drafted 2015 out of Georgia Tech. He had two really tough years to start his career in professional baseball. It looked for a while like he was never going to even make it out of low A baseball. He struggled to hit 200 playing in low class A. Major league careers don't usually start like that. But what happened? He dedicated himself to his craft. He dedicated himself to getting physically stronger, to getting in better physical shape. Lost a ton of weight in the offseason going in from 2016 to 2017. It is not a coincidence that his numbers drastically improved. And even this year alone, he was able to follow up a 30 home run season last year with a 25 homer season this year. And look, we love to share 
these stories with you. This is the People's Podcast, but it's also the Players' Podcast. You're listening to the same show that many Tigers prospects within this system are also listening to. So for those of you, the prospects who are listening to this show, let Josh Lester be a lesson for you. Allow him to show you what things can look like if things aren't going exactly how you want them to go. Let Josh Lester be the catalyst and the reason why you're finding that success. And also, if you've been living under a rock, you may not know that Josh Lester actually had his 15 minutes of fame long before this call-up to Major League Baseball. He played in the Little League World Series and won. Back in 2006, his team from Columbus, Georgia, won the Little League World Series, and he was a huge part of that. He was interviewed on the field after the game by Aaron Andrews, and I would go to guess, and I would guess that his reaction then is probably his reaction to being called up to the major leagues now. And now Josh Lester, tell me what's going through your mind. You've been a star here at this Little League World Series. What's going through your head right now? He's real happy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so happy. He's just so happy. And that's how everybody should be when they finally get their first call on the road to Detroit. Congratulations to Josh Lester. This is another edition of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. You just heard Nate Wangler, our producer in the background. (laughs) I'm Dan Hasty. Coming up on this edition of the show, we're going to go over Baseball America's list of the best tools of different minor league prospects. Are we saying who's a tool in the minor league system? No, but we're telling you what was rated by other Midwest League managers, some Tigers prospects coming home with some interesting awards. We also talk about some call-ups going on in the system. And also on this week's show, Josh Crouch. We talked about players playing their best baseball of their careers. Josh Crouch is a perfect example of that. Somebody who has made themselves into a top 30 Tigers prospect. And you know what? The thing I love about Josh is the fact that for him, being a top 30 prospect meant something. And He even stops us during the course of our conversation and makes it a point to say, this mattered to me. This was something I wanted out of this season. And he wants his team to be successful, and he wants to do the little things like getting runners over from second to third. He's a team-oriented guy. Don't get it twisted. But these things matter for players who have the right priorities, who have things in mind that they want to accomplish and that have a plan. Josh Crouch has a plan. He'll join us coming up in just a little bit. We will also hear from Jonathan Scope. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 that can't be right because he is a major league player and he is not a minor league player. So are you allowed to have? Yes, yes, you actually are allowed to have him on the road to Detroit. And here's why. He will break down for us what a rehab assignment looks like, what the process of going through a rehab assignment looks like. For every minor league team, chances are at one point or another in any given week or month, you might get a visitor. And it's a player trying to get themselves right from a physical perspective. 
whether it's a pitcher who needs to come in and throw a couple of innings or like what happened with High A West Michigan over the weekend. Jonathan Scope, the former All-Star, he joined West Michigan, actually did pretty well, had three hits over the weekend in two games. So we go inside the process of a rehab assignment and what things matter to the people actually on them. We also draw a parallel between Jonathan Scope and Josh Lester. Why? Because two years before Josh Lester was winning a Little League World Series, guess who else was? Jonathan Scope. (laughs) He represented the team from Curacao. Their team won the Little League World Series just a couple of years before. They actually went to Williamsport back-to-back years. And we talk about that time and just how much fun Jonathan Scope was having playing baseball at that point in time. We'll also learn what the minor league experience was like for Jonathan Scope. And I'll tell you what, when he was taking batting practice, whether he was on the field or in the cage, you would love looking and seeing which players were going up and talking to Jonathan Scope. It was the people that Tigers fans have been hearing about on this show, on other shows for the past year. Somebody like Isaac Pacheco spending time with Jonathan Scope during BP. you love to see it. Jace Young spending time with Jonathan Scope during batting practice. I don't think those are coincidences. I just don't. We talk about executives. We talk about player development, people paying attention to the right details. Well, players need to pay attention to them too. So we'll learn about that process of a rehab assignment with Jonathan Scope coming up in just a little bit. We'll also open up our latest edition of the RTD Mailbag. Let's take a look at the news from the past week in the Tiger system. We talked about Josh Lester. Congratulations to him. That's a big deal for somebody like Josh Lester. It's a big deal for anybody, in all honesty. But somebody who's put almost a decade of work into getting to that one place, that's as big of a deal as it gets for any professional baseball player. And Josh Lester, certainly deserving. Somebody who's put the time in and then some. He's going to the major leagues. Excited to see him, hopefully, sometime this week in Detroit. Speaking of in Detroit, Spencer Torkelson is back. He had some interesting games in Toledo. Had a walk-off home run, had a walk-off single. He came up in some big moments. Now it's just a matter of translating those over to Detroit. Made a couple of swing adjustments. We'll see what that looks like towards the end of the season. Riley Green at the major league level, he's starting to come into his own. Can Spencer Torkelson find even just the smallest bit of momentum going into 2023? So Spencer Torkelson is there. And Ryan Kreidler, who we've had on this show this season. Ryan Kreidler is a big leaguer for the first time. Well, we kind of thought that that would happen at some point this year. He was with Toledo, but he's seen his season marred by injuries and setbacks. But, you know, it's funny how things kind of tend to play themselves out and people end up where they maybe should have been all along. Got his first major league hit as well. Chopper to third on the short half. Dozier bobbled in and Kreidler's aboard. Might not be the most exciting first hit in Major League Baseball, but guess what, Ryan Kreidler? You have a batting average. So congratulations, Ryan Kreidler, with his first big league hit.
Meanwhile, that article we mentioned from Baseball America, the biggest tools in minor league, I mean, sorry, the best tools, <laughs> see what we did there, in minor league baseball, they ranked everything. Most exciting player, best base runner, best defensive first baseman, best power hitter, best strike zone judgment, things like that. Well, four different Detroit Tigers farmhands came home with honors. And get this, both teams had the exact same wins in their respective categories. In AA, the best defensive catcher as rated by the managers in the league is Dylan Dingler. There has never been a question about Dylan Dingler's defensive ability. No surprise there whatsoever. Congratulations to Dylan Dingler. Meanwhile, the Erie Seawolves also had the best manager prospect in the Eastern League. Gabe Alvarez, or as some of you may know him as, if you've been a Tigers fan for a long time, Gabe Ruth. He came up to the major leagues, and I think it was like his first game or second game. He hit two homers at Old Tiger Stadium, and I'll never forget the broadcast calling him Gabe Ruth. It was amazing. So Gabe Alvarez, Dylan Dingler, the best manager prospect and best defensive catcher in the Eastern League which is exactly the awards that were taken home at the high A level. The league's best defensive catcher is Josh Crouch. We'll talk to him coming up on the show, and we'll find out which one means more to him, becoming the best defensive catcher in the Midwest League or becoming a Detroit Tigers top 30 prospect. We asked him. He'll answer coming up in just a little bit. West Michigan also has the best managerial prospect. Midwest League managers voted, and for their peer, Brian Pena, the former Detroit Tiger catcher, the 11-year big leaguer. So West Michigan and Erie, pretty much exactly the same, we've learned here this past week. Congratulations, Brian Pena. Thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to see the announcement made about Pena and Crouch getting those honors within the locker room this week in Fort Wayne. And I'm here to tell you, that everybody to a man in that locker room was so excited and so thrilled for their manager and for their catcher. Fun way to end the season. And there's still a couple of games left. By the way, West Michigan and Erie, both in playoff contention. Erie is sitting, and we'll get into this in the on-ramp in just a little bit, but both of these teams going after a playoff spot. Meanwhile, Brian Pena goes into the final week of the regular season. So just six games left, three wins shy of 200 for his managerial career. So there could be another honor headed Brian Pena's way before season's end. Let's hit the on-ramp. Low A Lakeland. Let's start there. They won just two out of three games. Wait, just three games for Lakeland this past week? What was going on in Lakeland? All right, you know what? We know. If you've ever been to Lakeland, you know what was happening. It wouldn't stop raining. So games were either canceled or postponed. So Lakeland only ends up getting a chance to play three times. But Manny Sakara, who's been in Lakeland all year long, there are a couple of players who have been with Lakeland from season start to now season's end. And Manny Sakara went seven for 18 with a homer, four runs driven in. He's been one of those players down in Lakeland, and he's starting to have more success in different, more dynamic ways as this season progresses. 
You know who has not been there very long? Dom Johnson. He was picked in the 2022 MLB draft out of Kansas State. He said to have outstanding speed. And it was a struggle for him in low A to start his career. Went just three for 33, but he finished three for five in that abbreviated series. Had a double, his first pro homer, and a couple of RBIs. Meanwhile, Roberto Campos, he was three for nine. And Peyton Graham, the second rounder out of Oklahoma this year, four for 13 with a double this week. You know, Peyton got off to a bit of a slow start in Lakeland, but all of a sudden I looked down and he was hitting almost 300. It's tough for guys like Peyton because you only get so much time in your professional career before the end of that first season to post the stat line, to post respectable numbers. And Peyton is making up for lost time. Let's go to High A West Michigan. The Whitecaps, well, they played a Fort Wayne team that had been gutted. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps, they are the San Diego Padres Midwest League High A affiliate, and they took a ton of the players that would have been in Fort Wayne and traded them in the Juan Soto deal with the Washington Nationals. So there's not a lot. Like the tin caps are basically that meme of Will Smith in the empty living room. There's just nothing going on around them. They ended up beating Fort Wayne five out of six games, and yet they still sit two games out of first place for the Midwest League East Division title going into their final series against the Gray Lakes Loons. That same Fort Wayne team that West Michigan beat up on last week The Whitecaps now see Fort Wayne play the team the Whitecaps are chasing in the division, Lake County. So the Caps are looking at Fort Wayne like they're leaving the locker room being like, you want us to leave some bats and balls for you guys? You guys want some extra gloves? They're going to go play Lake County. And the truth is, is if the Caps season is going to continue, they need Fort Wayne to have a really good week. Jace Young, the Tigers' number two prospect in the top 100 in Major League Baseball, five for 19 at the plate. He hit some balls hard, and I think when you hear 5 for 19, you think, okay, well, obviously it didn't go that well. But here's something you need to know. He's only hitting 244 in high A, still just 21 years old. But his on-base percentage sits at 389. He's played 25 games. He has nearly as many walks, 22, as strikeouts, 24. If nothing else, be confident that he's seeing the baseball well and that harder contact will follow, whether that's the final week of this season or perhaps 2023 when there's a real chance that Jace Young starts next season beginning in West Michigan. From the number two prospect to the number one prospect, Jackson Job, he continued to have success at the high A level. He hit 98 miles per hour in his last start while allowing three runs, but none of those were earned. He actually was literally about to walk off of the field in Fort Wayne with six innings of shutout baseball, but there was a dropped pop-up behind him at shortstop. That allowed two runs to come in and score. He ended up finishing with just five and two-thirds innings. He was one out away from tying his career high in innings pitched. He only struck out three, but again, he flashed what made him a number three overall pick in the draft. I was talking to a couple of guys who have caught Jackson Job, and one of them had a comment that stuck out particularly. He said, Jackson Job's slider is the best slider I have ever caught from any pitcher at any point in my career. So Jackson Job now in West Michigan, 2-0 in two starts, 10 and two-thirds innings, and an ERA of 0.84. 
I'd have to think that this is a pretty exciting development towards season's end inside player development. Meanwhile, Isaac Pacheco, just four for 19 at the plate, a double and four runs batted in. And Josh Crouch, who we'll talk to in just a couple of moments, five for 17, had a home run and three runs batted in. You know what's interesting about Josh Crouch is that he talks about, and we'll hear more about this coming up when we sit down with him, about how much studying, how much research, and how much homework comes in to not just the typical scouting report, but also the analytics. Josh Crouch is the analytical catcher. And because he can blend that with some older school scouting, not only does he get a better read on the hitters that his pitchers have to face, he also knows how to stay unpredictable as a hitter. So you're able to take the defensive side and help it benefit the offensive side. He'll explain that coming up in just a little bit. Let's go to Erie. Well, truth was, Erie needed to find a way to split with the Bowie Bay Sox because if they did, that means that they would have the tiebreaker in the Eastern League Southwest Division. Well, on Sunday, they did just that. Packers third, Workman second, Meadows at first, pitch to Neporti, swings, sends it out to right field. Is this going to be deep enough? Haskin makes the catch. Packard coming to the plate, the throw. It is not in time, ball game. Quincy Neporti delivers in the bottom of the ninth inning, a sacrifice fly. So the Seawolves a winner and they get the tiebreaker. Now they are tied with Bowie. 12 games remaining in the Eastern League. Meanwhile, Ty Madden, he enjoyed his best career start. You know what's interesting? We've actually said that about him the last couple of weeks on this show. We've talked about him having his best career start. Well, he did it again. He gave up just one run through six innings and had 10 strikeouts. You know what's funny? He's having more success now in what many people would consider an extremely hitter-friendly ballpark. He had a lot of success in West Michigan. Don't get me wrong. To go from West Michigan, which is a lot like Comerica Park, to Erie, which is nothing like Comerica Park, it's fun to see Ty Madden actually coming through with as much, if not more, success in AA. Elsewhere, Dane Myers. We talked about him last week on the show. Talk about him here this week as well. He was 7 for 25. He had two doubles and home runs in back-to-back games. He had five Runs batted in. You think he's having fun playing baseball this year? Meanwhile, Wilmer Flores, he held Bowie to just one run through five innings on two base hits. He struck out seven. I cannot tell you how important it is for the Tigers to have essentially grown a top 100 prospect out of thin air. It is a farm system that has just desperately needed it. So that's why it's worth keeping an eye on. So is Parker Meadows. He was 8 for 25 this past week. Hit just under 333 because I am good at math. He had three doubles, a triple, a home run, and four RBIs. Reese Olsen, he looked solid on Thursday. Allowed just two runs through six innings. He struck out nine. Over to AAA Toledo. The Mudhens had a nice week. So get this. They won five out of six on the road against the Rochester Red Wings. The one game they lost... They lost 17 to nothing. You know, when it was 10 nothing, I thought that Rochester, they might stick with a field goal. But look, you give them a short field, they just march right down. That's what happens. It becomes 17 nothing, and the game gets out of reach. 
Meanwhile, Austin Bergner, he struggled in his last start on Thursday. He gave up three runs in just two-thirds of an inning. So that's AAA Toledo, and that's a look at the on-ramp. Coming up next, our sit-down conversation with Detroit Tigers' top 30 prospect, Josh Crouch. We've only been talking about him all season long. He wasn't a prospect then, according to the big media complex, but guess what? Now he is. Congratulations to Josh Crouch. He is achievement unlocking his appearance on his first ever road to Detroit. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Well, back very early this season on RTD, we started to introduce you to Josh Crouch, telling you about his story, telling you about where he's been, what he's been doing, and now trying to campaign for this young man to become a Tigers top 30 prospect. Well, fast forward a couple of months, here we sit, and we have Josh Crouch. He's a Tigers top 30 prospect. He joins us here on Road to Detroit. Josh, it feels like a victory lap of sorts here on the RTD just to be able to have you on this show. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us, and congrats on all the success. No problem. I appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's been a, a season's full of work to get here, but I'm uh, definitely grateful that we're at this point. And uh, for all the people, coaching staff, players, and everyone that's helped me to get here, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. So, You know that old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day? Yeah. Well, you had a ways to go when you arrived to West Michigan, when you became a professional baseball player after becoming a draft pick out of UCF last year. And from that point to where you are now, I'm sure you can feel where you've gotten stronger as a player. Tell us where. No, for sure. It's been both mentally and physically. And I mean, having obviously having a coach that played the position in the big leagues for 12 years has been the utmost importance to me. He's he has helped me in every aspect of the game. And I honestly, between him, Nick Brennison, CJ and Dino, I wouldn't be here without these guys. You're talking about Brian Pena, obviously, your manager. 100 percent. 100 percent. He is he has been the the sole reason I'm in this position. And uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind just to think where I was a year ago wanting to be wanting to be a top 30 guy and then now now being here it's it's pretty special for me so that meant something to you didn't it 100% 100% because it was always a, always a goal of mine and an aspiration and then to see all the hard work that that has led to me getting to this point it's it's been pretty cool so not only are you now considered a top 30 prospect and even higher to some people out there but you also pulled home an honor that was something that i know means just as much to you baseball america did a survey among midwest league managers and they named you collectively the best defensive catcher in this league and like we were saying, Rome wasn't built in the day. So tell me about what this year has taught you in terms of getting better specifically on defense and at that position. Yeah, for sure. No, it's coming into spring training, it was it was more about getting to learn all the guys, getting on the same page as the pitchers that you're going to be with, and then and then really trying to refine what we were working on in minicamp and spring training. And I feel like I feel like it's just been a contemplation of work that has led to this point. And I'm really, really, really happy to be in this position. And, and the work is, is nowhere near from being done. But this is definitely, definitely a great starting point. So, When you found out it was the West Michigan developmental coach, Nick Bredesen, who actually delivered the news to you and 
he ended up even coming back to, to us later and telling us how much it meant to him to be able to share that with you. And if we can, I was hoping you could just speak to him because I know the two of you have worked very close this year, especially about defense. Yeah. Nick, Nick has been one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, he's, I have the utmost respect for him. I would run through a wall for that guy. And it's just been over time, just the constant accountability, the constant, the constant pushing me to get better and just never, never letting anything slack. And I think he is, he is the number one reason besides Pena that, that this has been possible for me this season. And I'm really, really grateful for him. So. How do those two play off each other? Because Nick is kind of laser focused. He's also so attentive to details. And Brian Pena is, but he has a very different personality. And there are kind of two different approaches. So what do you get from each of those two guys? Yeah, Nick, I, from Nick, I get someone who is able to relate to me more. He's closer to my age. Uh, he's able to speak to me. We're closer. We have conversations all the time. And he, he just ha he knows how I click mentally. So he's able to, if they need me to accomplish something, he's able to portray it to me in a way that, that makes sense to me. And, and Pena is just, Pena is the guy that I can go to for any question, any, he's got the answer for it all because any situation I've been through or I'm going to go through, he's already been there. So he's just a good guy to have as a resource and obviously great manager, love both of them. I'm sure you feel like you've come a ways since you were last playing as a knight for UCF. And it's been a year and a half since you played college baseball. Did you feel like what you've picked up since that time, if you ever went back to UCF and somehow there was a world where you could go back and play baseball there, how different or how much of a change it would be based on what you did there, which was already a good career, but obviously a lot of things have happened over the last 18 months. 100%. And I, 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 feel, like, I feel like I've just been... Since I got drafted, I feel like I've just been a sponge like for information. That's because that's really the ultimate thing that I'm seeking all the time is just how to constantly like never settle, never settle. So that's 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 what I feel like I have accomplished. And man, if I I, I go, I'm actually going back to UCF this offseason and to, to yeah, I, I train at UCF in the off seasons and and uh, to be able to go back there and help some of the catchers and some of the pitchers there. Like just for what I've learned, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool to help me like teach other people. It's gonna help me learn as well, so it's gonna be good. When we talked to Nick Bredesen, the Whitecaps developmental coach, about you, one of the first things that he talked about was your robotic ability to adapt and react to different teachings, to different lessons, to different ideas. But if you get a lot of things thrown at you. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to remember. It's a lot to work on. And I know Nick's been good about pacing that out with you and having you focus on certain things at certain times. But how do you continue to compartmentalize to make sure you're focusing and excelling at only so many things at a time so you don't kind of forget and everything kind of get lost in the wash? Right. No, I, it is. It has it been a lot. It has been a lot. And but obviously this is, this is a game of failure and I feel like the more information and the more stuff I'm constantly being thrown out to work on, the more I don't, I forget about the fact that this is a game of failure and I just focus on what I need to continually get better at every single day. And over the course of months, you, that obviously makes a huge progression. So um, that goes back again to the coaching staff. They're never letting me be satisfied with anything that I do. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Dylan Smith, Ty Madden, 
now Jackson Job, Brant Herter earlier this year. You've had a chance to catch some interesting pitchers, and in some cases, guys who are very different from one another. So if you can, take us through the experience of catching some of these guys. I want to start, if we can go back to time, Adam. I know it's been a little while since you've caught him, but what do you remember about when you did? Yeah. Ty, I mean, the, the number one thing I'll never forget about Ty is, is when we go into the scouting report meeting, he is the most prepared person. He is, he's got a detailed routine of how we're going to attack the other team, and I also take good pride in doing my research as well, so I feel like the combination of us both with Dino and Pena's help as well, I mean, it, it, it comes down to a great game plan that ultimately we have to go out and execute, but, I mean, he's attention to detail, and obviously the stuff is immaculate. So, If you can... If we can pull back the curtain for a second, we're talking with Josh Crouch, Tigers prospect. Give us an idea of what a meeting like that would look like and sound like. Maybe not necessarily with Ty, but with any pitcher because they bring something, you bring something as well. What kinds of things are they bringing and what kinds of things do you bring? Yeah, for me, I I go online. I do my research through the different uh, analytic outlets that we have. And I, I write all this down, go and watch video on the lineup that we're going to face and I put it all into a paper. So basically I lay out what I, one, two, three, I usually put three main points of how we're gonna attack the other team, what's gonna help us be successful that night. And then the pitchers, knowing their stuff, they write how they're gonna attack each individual hitter. So I mainly do, with the help of Dino obviously, lay out the plan and then the pitchers go through how they wanna attack each hitter individually. So. It really, ultimately, it's 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 a great it's a great way to go about game planning, and it's worked for for a long time this season. So, yeah. You mentioned analytics. You mentioned that you go in and you take a look for what you need to research. What analytics matter for you? Yeah, for me, it's it's you want to know like what obviously what are the hit what are the hitters hot and cold zones? What are their strengths? And and are they aggressive early in the count? Are they aggressive? Are they passive early? Just it's the combination of all these things, how you're what their strengths are, what the pitcher's strengths are, what the hitter's weaknesses are, what the pitcher's weaknesses are, and combining all of that into how you're gonna throw these guys, based on obviously upon the situation that the game is calling for and stuff like that. Do you ever wish you were like a first baseman so you wouldn't have to do all this crazy amount of research? I mean you have to do a lot of work. Yeah, never, never. I, I I was a third baseman and and my prior career and uh i mean obviously the switch to catching has just been i like being involved in every pitch because i mean every other position to me is just not as interesting so i'm really i'm kind of like a attention to detail kind of guy and that's obviously a position you have to be very attention to attention to detail so but how how are you as the third baseman it was good. I, I was I had good hands, but I mean, obviously at, at a professional level, I I wouldn't have wouldn't have really stacked up to some of these other guys. But um, I, I feel like catching just fits my personality better than any other position on the field. So yeah, I would agree with that. We're yeah. talking to Josh Crouch here on the Road to Detroit podcast, presented by Carhartt. So you mentioned being obsessed with doing the research, doing the scouting on a daily basis. How long does that take you before a ball game? Well. We get the analytic report the a couple days before we face that next the team that next week. So I take a look at it over the off day, and then coming in, I come in a couple hours early, uh, talk with Dino about the game plan, what his thoughts are, what my thoughts are, and then that's when I start to build the scouting report with Dino. And then the pitcher comes in later, and I'll talk with him before we meet with the coaching staff. So it's really it's a culmination throughout 
the couple days before, and I mean, I, I feel like I feel like we're very prepared for every 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 team that we face. You're talking about pitching coach Dean Styles in this particular instance, and with all that time you spend on looking at hitters' tendencies, I'm sure that probably makes you think about it because you, as a hitter, have to stay unpredictable. So when you see all that stuff, does any of that play into Josh Crouch, the offensive player? Hundred percent. I mean, it definitely, as far as from an offensive side facing a pitcher, I mean, I'm, I'm hunting what he's going to throw me per the situation, per count, what's the score. I mean, it's like I, I really am, like, thinking about what they're going to throw me and, and truly, like, understanding what hunting a pitch in my zone feels like because I'm having to reverse that when I'm catching, so I just reverse it again when I'm hitting, and it's I feel like that's helped contribute to some of my success this year as well. Take me through another pitcher. Take me through catching Dylan Smith. Man, Dylan, Dylan, obviously electric stuff, four pitches. I mean, I, I, I love how he's able to command his fastball. Um, I've seen a huge, huge uh, development since spring training in his slider and also his splitter. Um, what makes Dylan Smith good is that he can throw any of his four pitches in any count for a strike. Once again, also him being unpredictable as a pitcher, obviously the mid-upper 90s fastball helps as well. But, I mean, obviously he's great work ethic. Uh, has great goals in the future for himself, and uh, I have really, he's going to reach him. So, well, now this leads me to, and I almost feel like this is an unfair question because I think you've only caught him for one start at the time of this conversation, but you perhaps you probably caught him a little bit down in Lakeland, Florida. Let's talk about Jackson Joe. What's it like catching him? Jackson is has the most electric slider I've ever seen, uh, ever caught. Uh, obviously, I haven't faced him yet, um, but uh, as a hitter. But I mean, man, you don't want to, though, do you? No, absolutely not. That's I, I am not a fan of uh, hitting against that slider at all. So, but man, he's uh, he's been really fun just to see how he's developed in a short amount of time. Uh, last start he had last week was just electric. He held himself together mentally well, had really good poise on the mound, and uh, excited to see how that uh, translates to these next two starts. How's that going to look for somebody like you? Because you worked, and we've talked about some of the guys that have mentored you this year, Nick Bredesen, Brian Payne, just to name a few. But you kind of have to play that role for some of your pitchers. And it doesn't matter if it's Ty Madden or Dylan Smith or, in this case, Jackson Job. What is it like being able to be mentored but also be able to be sort of a mentor yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's to be honest with you, I think it's just – the pitcher catching a relationship is 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 a group effort um you obviously have to be if you if myself and the pitcher are not on the same page at any point obviously the game plan's gonna gonna go to waste so i feel like being able to have a good relationship with some of these guys off the field as i do with with dylan and jackson and it, it's it's helped to their success so i mean it's uh when you're close with them and you're and your boys with them off the field it definitely helps because you know what makes them tick on the mound so it's uh it, it's, it's been fun seeing how that uh, that has progresses. Uh, I mean, this is my first year, so it's been it's been fun to see the things that I really haven't noticed in the game of baseball until this point. So, tell me what it's been about this season, particularly in the second half, that has allowed this team to play such good baseball. Man, for me, uh, I've been asked this question a couple times, and I, I just think that one through nine, every guy in the lineup is 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 unselfish. I mean, I think that we do a great job of when we get a guy on, 
He's gonna steal first, he's gonna steal second, and then we're gonna hit a ground ball or we're gonna hit a pop fly to right, gonna move him to third, and the next guy's gonna get him in just basic baseball. I think that one through nine, everyone is committed to doing that, and obviously the results have, have spoken for themselves uh, as far as, as our record and stuff like that. But I mean, man, just a lot of really good guys, really good work ethic, um, and it, it's gonna be, gonna be a fun future, so. Finish this sentence. My favorite thing to do on a baseball field is? It's probably half and half between, between throwing guys out or, or stealing strikes behind the plate. Half and half between. I can't really narrow it down to either or, but, I mean, yeah. Those are, those are the things that, that really, like, hype me up. I mean, I can hit a homer, but it still doesn't hype me up as much as, like, 3-2 three, two, three, two fastball, low and away, it's a ball, and then the guy calls it a strike. It's, it's, it doesn't beat that. So, yeah. So you're not looking forward to any robo-ums in the minor leagues, no, are you? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this season because you've been in West Michigan pretty much since the start of the year. You got a handful of games down in Lakeland. You got shipped up to West Michigan almost immediately. And a lot of guys who play as well as you have might see another opportunity, might see a chance to go up the chain. But right now, Erie has a catcher of their own, Dylan Dingler, who's been playing there pretty much all year. The Tigers have wanted to keep him there. And thus, you've stayed here in West Michigan. So what have you been able to do with the time you've had here, perhaps the little bit of extra time you've had here in order to continue to hone your craft and get yourself ready for when inevitably that day comes yeah no I mean this season has has really taught me obviously learning the amount of stuff that I've learned through the coaching staff and the guys that I'm playing with but I mean it's it's really just to stay patient and stay hungry I mean at, at any point I'm ready to go so it's been it's been great for me to stay here and learn what I have learned um, just through just through Pena and Nick and the pitchers I'm working with, it's been it's been a pleasure working with all of them. But I mean, at uh, at any point, I'm ready to go. Uh, I feel prepared. But uh, really, the thing that Nick and Pena have helped me do is just stay present every single day and worry about the game and winning the game at hand. So. We're talking with Josh Crouch, which by the name, by the way, might be the best name I've ever seen a catcher have before. When you were playing third base, did somebody finally say enough is enough? Josh, you have to crouch down behind home plate. You need to be a catcher. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh it was kind of a it was kind of an interesting an interesting way of me moving behind the dish. I mean, I was told by a, a pro scout I was at a workout and he was like, "Hey, you should you should do some pop times and do some receiving stuff behind the plate." And uh I ended up doing pretty well at it, and so I, I, I took the chance. I did I did wasn't forced to make that move, but I, I just took a gamble and went to junior college and started learning and uh, was introduced to a couple catching guys. Eddie Rodriguez, who's the the big league catching coach for the Marlins, is the one that kind of started everything for me. Uh, he uh, he helped me get this train going, so to speak, and every other guy that I've met between. Uh, Andrew Graham in Lakeland last year after I got drafted and then meeting uh, Ryan Sienko this year huge help and then and then uh, obviously Pena and Nick here so it's always really interesting to hear if guys knew beforehand that they would be drafted by the Tigers some guys had no idea some guys had a pretty good idea where did you fall in that spectrum before the Tigers made you one of their draft picks 
to be honest, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. I, uh, I went to a pre-draft workout three days before the draft in Lakeland. Uh, had, a pretty good, had a pretty good showing there, but was still, obviously, being a, a COVID junior, really was unsure of, of the process. So, obviously, my agent was a huge help in that. And uh, I landed with the Tigers, and it's the, the only place I want to be. So. so, you went to this workout. Do you remember any conversations you had? Did you walk away thinking, you know what, I could see it being them, especially now? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously met some of the guys in the front office, was treated extremely well uh, from them. But uh, really, the, it was just really me going out and doing my thing, doing some pop times, doing uh, catching a couple bullpens and hitting batting practice. So, I mean, it was uh, it was really just a get in, get out kind of day. But uh, it, uh, it worked out. I mean, obviously, R.J. Burgess, the guy, the area scout that drafted me, had been in communication with him throughout the season. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was unexpected, uh, day three, and – glad that they took me so talk about your plans for the off season what does the off season look like for a guy like you yeah uh obviously we have uh instructs coming up in a couple weeks um gonna go there and get really a basis of how how really how i did dig deep into the analytics and the video have conversations on the offensive and defensive side to figure out what i did good and bad and how i need to improve and then uh gonna take a week off and go right back to it gonna gain going to put on a pretty good amount of weight uh, this offseason, as I did last offseason, knowing that I'm going to lose it throughout the 130-game season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have plenty of stuff personally that, that I want to work on because I like setting goals for the future for myself. So, I, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to grind all offseason and then uh, show up ready to go spring training. If you want any tips on how to put on weight, just give me a call. But also, you know, you mentioned analytics and the importance of working that into your game. It felt like for a long time that players didn't want a whole lot to do with the advanced numbers, with the advanced metrics, the numbers that mattered. But you're a different take on a lot of guys because we don't see that as much. But Maybe not everybody is as vocal about it. How many guys are interpreting the numbers, the metrics that matter in a similar way to what you've done? Yeah, no, I mean, it's for me, I don't I don't obsess over the analytics, but I do know that there is a huge, huge piece to the analytics that can help your game. Um, And I feel like it's just been a healthy mix of both uh, combined. And that's made my game what it is. I mean, analytics obviously are the future of baseball, so you'd be you'd be dumb not to, to, to dive into it because um, it can only help you. So I, that's the kind of the approach I've taken to it. And uh, I'll op- open, like I said, I, I try and be a sponge at all times and, and just really learn what I can adapt to and how my game can be better. Josh Crouch joined us here on the road to Detroit. Do you have any idea how hard we have been banging the drum for you on our podcast this year? I've had an idea, but you've obviously been a huge piece, so I appreciate that, yes. Josh, it's been so much fun watching you, and to see what you'll be able to do the rest of this year into next year, we can hardly wait. Josh, it's been so much fun having you with West Michigan, and so much to have you here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the RTD, and go get him the rest of the way. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. That is Josh Crouch. He's on the Road to Detroit. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. We just wanted to say thank you because at different points, you have helped make the Road to Detroit a top 50 baseball podcast in America. And right now, if you go on Apple Podcasts and search Road to Detroit, we are starting to now 
close in on another significant achievement. We are closing in on 100 ratings for this show. We'd like you to help us get there. Search the Road to Detroit podcast on Apple Podcast. Scroll down. Give us a five-star rating, mainly for Nate Wangler's impeccable service. Yes. And make sure that you don't miss an episode. Because even if it's a week later or two weeks later, what you don't want to miss are the conversations, especially this year, because of how many things have changed within player development. There has been a ton of turnover. Just the last couple of shows by itself, Jackson Job, Isaac Pacheco, and Jace Young. Those opinions and those conversations, they don't expire. So that's our goal. Help us get to 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts. And as a thank you, we now give you Jonathan Scope, Detroit Tigers second baseman, to give us an idea of the MLB rehab assignment process. It's only right here on the road to Detroit. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back. Jonathan Scope, the Detroit Tigers second baseman, was down on rehab assignment with West Michigan over the weekend in Fort Wayne. And to take us inside what a rehab assignment looks like from the person doing the rehabbing, we're now joined by Jonathan. Jonathan, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking some time. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. First of all, as we kind of get into what brought you here, tell us what can you tell us about the injury you suffered and how did it feel playing your first game back? Um, you know, it, it, felt, it felt really, really good. It felt really good, you know. Um, being out there again after two weeks, you know, it was my ankle. I rolled a little bit, you know, and kind of was a little bit swollen. But, you know, I'm weird, you know, I'm coming here. And I was expecting yesterday to get going and see how it feel, you know. And it, it, honestly, I feel really good, you know. And I tested out right away. I got to walk, then I got to score, you know what I mean? So I felt really good during the game, you know. And just, that's why you want to really feel good, you know, about it. Do you like to get tested in that way? Do you like having to run the bases or play a little second base and make a few tough plays just to make sure you know that it feels good? Yeah, of course, of course. You know that's why that's why you do a rehab assignment. So you t- um, test it out right away. You know, make some plays and run and stop and those kind of things. So you can you can free your mind a little bit and just let it go. You know, because sometimes your mind is more than anything. Your mind tell you can't, and you gotta tell yeah your 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 ankle is good, so you gotta you gotta go. 
players get banged up all the time. And you've had a few rehab assignments in your career, like anyone else. So tell us about what it's like to go through this process. What's it like for you? Or what are you looking to accomplish, say, like you did in the first night, that first day back? What do you want to accomplish? Um, you know, nobody want to go to rehab assignment. Nobody want to get hurt. So, but it happened. Things happen. So, you know, I, um, like when, when things like this happen, you know, I, I really like it, you know, because you you get something out of there, you know. Um, you meet the, your your this, your teammate like the lower level guys. You know they're excited to see you. You know what I mean. You can um, they ask you questions. You answer them. You know and uh, just just to be out there with him and it's, it's it's so it's so good. You know so good to play. You know um, first day you just like I said you just wanna you just wanna see the ball again and you just wanna make sure the the thing you you heard is good. You wanna make sure you're not thinking about it anymore. You know because in the first game it's like you caution a little bit. You know oh it's good or not. You know you're thinking about it but. That's why you're here and just let, let it go. Yesterday was good, and today I'm going to just let it go again. You talked about the guys that you get to meet because many of these guys you probably haven't had a chance to get to know. You, we know what you're doing on the field. You're trying to get ready, but a lot of kids are coming up to you probably asking you different questions. What kind of questions do you get about whether it be life in the big leagues or your routine or your training? What kind of things did some of these kids ask you? Oh, yeah, you get a lot of questions. You know, I get a lot of questions. I get questions like, How's like 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 how you prepare yourself, you know, like like what like what you gotta do to be a big leaguer, you know what I mean? Like when I was taking ground ball, they asked me like what's the code, you know, and tell them just catch the ball. Just catch it and make sure you make it you, you throw a good throw and let the umpire make the decision. Because sometimes sometimes we wanna rush a play that is not there, you know what I mean? Just catch the ball first, that's all you can control. Control things you can control, you know, trying to catch the ball first and then throw it. You cannot catch and throw it at the same time. So get a lot of questions, you know, and talk with him about it and just have fun with him, you know what I mean? Like just talk and, you know, laugh a little bit and, and, and have fun. So, you know, I really like it. When a player comes to you and says, how do I become a big leaguer? What do you tell them? Um, work, your work ethic, you know, um, work ethic, you know, you just got to dedicate yourself what you really want and know what know what you gotta improve to 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 be a big leaguer you know like to be everyday everyday big leaguer you know it's it's it's, it's really hard but it's easy you know what i mean so if you if if you put your work at it and you go about your business the right way and take it seriously and take it really 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 serious you know anything is, is possible anything is possible so you just gotta go out there and and play the game enjoy the game and i tell him it's like more more mental than, than the physical what do you remember about your days in the minor leagues? We talked yesterday. You mentioned you played some of your minor league career in Delmarva. Yeah, I may have played in Delmarva. Uh, you know, it's fun. You know, it's fun, but it was quick. You know, I blinked my eye. It wasn't big league. <laughs> it's like it was quick, but it's fun. You know what I mean? It make me, it make me, make me became a man. You know, it make me became the player that I am right now. You know, like go out there. You know, come from a different country. You know, it was tough in the beginning. No baseball wise outside, living style, you know, like the, all, all those kind of things, you know. And it make me it make me realize how special I am too to be in the Marvel that that time I was I think it was nineteen, eighteen, something like that. And you know, special, you know, meet meet a lot of great friends, meet meet a lot of great guys to play with, you know, and play against, you know, and still friends now, you know, it's like it's really cool, really cool moment that you can forget about. 
it's so hard to be a major leaguer no matter what your background, but it feels like it's even harder when you come from a place like Curacao, which is your home country. There are other obstacles that guys have when they come to play here in the States that maybe other guys wouldn't necessarily have. What kind of challenges do you remember having that weren't necessarily just about baseball? So uh, for Curacao, you know, you, you, you're always with your family, you know, saw family. So when you come over here, it's like you gotta, you gotta learn how you gotta learn how to live by yourself. You gotta learn, I don't know. You gotta learn how to cook. You gotta learn how to sur- survive. You know what I mean? Like you gotta learn how to, because when I was kid, I signed with sixteen. You know, like I was still living with my parents. You know, like you don't know how to live by yourself. You don't know how to stuff. You know, stuff just to be by yourself. Like playing games is really nice. It's good because you're just playing games. Let's see for two hours, three hours, and after that, what you do? You know what I mean? Like when you're back home, you your friends around, you just whatever, you just having fun and ride bicycle and, and, and talk. But here after the game, just go to the hotel and watch TV and find a way to get the gaze the days go so you come back the next day. So that was the most difficult time for me, you know, so after baseball. So what I will do, you know, after baseball to 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 fill in my days and then come back the next day and play baseball again. Can you cook? And if anybody ever is eating something from you, what's the best thing that Jonathan Scope can cook? I don't recommend him eating from me. <laughs> I can eat myself. You know, if I do it, let let me do it. Let me eat it myself. <laughs> so I don't. I'm not a great cook. You know, I can eat chicken. You know, but don't know nobody. Nobody trying to to eat it. You know, <laughs> let me eat it myself. <laughs> let me do it myself. You know, that's a good public service yeah. announcement. One of the things I love is your backstory. You're a native of Curacao, and it is well noted that you're one of only three players with over a thousand base hits in the major leagues from there. So if you can, tell us what that means to you and also to the people of Curacao as well as your family. I mean, I mean a lot, you know, I accomplish things that a country, you know, be one of the three the people that only got a thousand hits, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not a lot, you know, and to come from a country and, and achieve those kind of things, it's, it's really nice. It's really like some, like right now you don't see it, but maybe 10 years from now I look back and say, oh wow, I was something special. I, do, I did something special, you know what I mean? So like I say, right now I'm just, I'm just trying to enjoy it every moment of it and, and, and play baseball and have fun as long as they allow me to. We're talking with Jonathan Scope, one of three players that have already gotten to 1,000 hits. The others, Andrelton Simmons and Andrew Jones. I also saw that you represented your area, Curacao, the Caribbean, in the Little League World Series. And we also found out that Josh Lester, who's been in the minor leagues for the Tigers for eight years, just got called up to the big leagues himself. He also played in the Little League World Series. How much fun is it when a guy gets called up for the first time and you guys get to celebrate something like that? Nice, I didn't know that. That's really nice, especially, man. Especially to, like I said, like my dream became, honestly, in Little League World Series. You know, when I would go there, uh, they make you feel like you're a big leaguer, you know, and I went and rolled those for me and Profar, you know, it was, it, won, it was one of the best cooler moments of my life, you know, it was really nice, and, you know, then I get the big league, and then um, um, Leicester too, you know, he won it, and it's big league, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good accomplish, it's a good accomplish, you know, and not everybody get to do that, and not everybody get, get a chance to do it, you know, and it's, it's really tough to do. Where does that rank for you you've done a lot of good things in your career you've been a major league all-star you've gone to the futures game you've been great in the minor leagues but winning a little league world series that's not something that a lot of the other major leaguers can say so how much did that mean to you man honestly that time we just have fun you know 
Like we didn't, it didn't. Don't get me wrong, they didn't mean nothing, but we just happy that we went at all. We was happy, but the more you grow, we we we, we went to Curacao. You see, like they throw parade for us. They, they do a lot of things, and as a kid, you don't know. It's like, what's this? You know what I mean? But as we grown up, and then you, we look back, it's like, wow, we did something special. We did something special, you know, because we put. Honestly, we put Curacao on the map. Like after that, everybody asked, where's Curacao? Where's Curacao? Where's Curacao? Small island and win it all. Where's Curacao? So we put Curacao on the map and we did something special that Caribbean never, I think that's the only only time they win the Little League World Series. So something really, really special, man. Feels bigger than baseball at that point in time. So I know we have about a month left of the regular season up in Detroit. So for you, how does Jonathan Scope win the final month of the season with the Tigers this year? I just I just want to finish strong. You know, this year was a little bit up and down. You know, didn't go the way I want to. But I just want to finish strong. Sometimes it's not the way you start, it's the way you finish. You know what I mean? Just want to finish strong and set a tone for next year, you know, and come back next year. and. And, and, and take it personal and, and, and finish the, finish our, our business. You know, the plan was to go to playoff, but you know, we didn't achieve it this year. So we just gotta learn and do the things we do right and the things we did bad, just trying to do it better and trying to win games. It's all a matter, it's all a matter, win games, you know, find a way to win games. So uh, I'm, I know for a fact that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my part to to be better and contribute with the team and, and, and help my team win day, day in and day out. One thing I love that you just said is set the tone. And even if you're only here for a day or two, I can promise you there's a lot of kids in there that thought that you helped set the tone for them here just this weekend alone. And the lessons that they'll take away are extremely valuable. Jonathan Scope, the Detroit Tigers second baseman, thank you very much for spending some time with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is our first RTD mailbag of the season. I will hand over the questions. Our producer, Nate Wangler, will ask them. And before Nate asks his first question, he actually responded to the tweet we put on social media. And we said, this is the last chance to submit your questions for the latest mailbag. And we had a picture of the two of us on the field in West Michigan. I had a suit and Nate had a jacket of some type. And Nate's question for this podcast was, quote, when can we take a new picture? You told me to dress up. You didn't tell me what we were dressing up for. So I didn't dress properly. So I'm wondering when we can get a new picture with the uh, awards from last year. What else does dress up mean to you? I don't know. You... <laughs> <laughs> this a is apparently a fancy coat. For the, for the record, <laughs> if you tell Nate Wangler to dress up, he assumes that means fancy coat. That's so broad. Nate, you look like if Carhartt was a person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into the questions here on the road to Detroit. We'll start off with MVG53 from Twitter. Uh, he asks, any updates on Colt Keith? Will he be able to play in the fall league? You know, it's really easy to forget that Colt Keith was on a 25 home run pace this season. He only played 48 games. He had nine homers and 31 runs batted in. This guy had some of the best offensive numbers of anybody in the system, and there were people out there who were ranking him the Tigers' number one prospect. And then he has a freak injury. 
He jams his shoulder, diving back into first base on a pickoff play, and we never see him again. He's like that guy in the sandlot. He got really into the 60s and disappeared. Colt has been trying to rehab that shoulder. I hope we see him in the Arizona Fall League. I know that rehab has not been easy for him. I know there have been times where he's been hoping that he'll get back to West Michigan. Obviously, that's not in the cards in 2022. Probably likely that he starts 2023 with West Michigan, maybe just to get his feet wet and maybe a quick jump up from that point on. But Colt Keith is very much in play, and we talk about the importance of having top 100 prospects in the system for many reasons, but Colt Keith needs to be one of those. And the performance he had this year, had it been extrapolated over a full season, he would have been in that conversation. But I think he'll end up at the Arizona Fall League if he's healthy enough to go. But I would not be surprised to see him in the Arizona Fall League if he's healthy enough to go. Steve Butts also adds Hello, on Twitter. Mr. Butts. <laughs> Great to hear from you again. Obviously, your job is to help share minor league players' journeys to the big leagues. Which current player has had the most unique journey? Which player has done the most to, quote, right the ship and turn their fortunes around this year? You know, I want to hear your take on this as well, Nate. But for me, I think about just this season because we've had now two full seasons of players, of stories. Most of those guys are in the big leagues. So in just keeping in line with current events, for me, there's not much that beats a former Dick Sporting Goods employee that is now hitting home runs in Major League Baseball. So for me, my favorite story is Kerry Carpenter. We had him earlier on this season of RTD on episode two. If you didn't hear that conversation, go back and listen to it because if you were not a fan of Kerry Carpenter to this point, if you go back and listen to it, you will become a fan of Kerry Carpenter. So for me, and there are many great players with great stories and, and players that have shared those stories with us, which we're immensely grateful for. How do you not root for the kid who was literally assisting people find workout equipment two years ago? For me, it's Kerry Carpenter. You know, I don't mean to take your answer, but I can relate a lot to what you're saying simply because... I graduated right into the pandemic as soon as everything was shutting down was right around the time that I graduated. So any sort of maybe jobs or opportunities that were lined up were no longer lined up. So I was working at a meat market at the same time that he was working at Dick's Sporting Goods. So I can relate to the fact that he had to get his career back on the right track and the fact that he was the best hitter, arguably, in all of minor league baseball while he was there then to get the call to go from that in 2020 to the major leagues in 2022, I can aspire to something like that coming from a position that's similar. So I was a big fan of his story. And can I also share the other one that came to mind? And it's a more recent episode, but I think in light of the comments we saw at the major league level from Austin Meadows, I think mental health is so important mm -hmm. nowadays, especially in this game, because We've talked to so many guys, and so many of these players have talked about the importance of having physical health and staying healthy and having sustainable, tangible success. But this is a game of failure, and being able to compartmentalize struggles is something that is just as big of a deal as physical progression. And I thought Jackson Job was extremely vulnerable with us on this podcast just a couple of episodes ago. You know, Jackson Job has had a challenging year in more ways than one. 
but he was extremely honest with us. And I loved hearing Jackson essentially level with us and tell us the real story of what this year has been like for him. And I'm so happy that he's finishing this year on a high note. If you want to hear a very honest conversation and an important conversation with Jackson Job, go back to episode 11, Job Gets Promoted. And you can hear that conversation here on the road to Detroit. Ben Kaufman asks, of all the players to come through West Michigan this season, who has impressed you the most? You know what? We've talked about this. And this has been a talking point for us on the air, off the air. And we kind of alluded to this yesterday. And we only got to see him very briefly in West Michigan. And there have been some really great players. And I think we're still seeing some of these guys hit their stride professionally, but it did not take hardly anything for Wilmer Flores to hit his stride. In 19 and two-thirds innings, he had 35 strikeouts and just two walks. And look, I spent my young life going to watch a young Justin Verlander, and I don't want to compare Wilmer Flores to Justin Verlander, but I can tell you what I took away from watching Justin when he was young and that was how silly he made hitters look, how absolutely filthy he was. And not every strikeout pitcher looks exactly the same. Some guys are getting by and racking up strikeouts for reasons that are crafty. They are for reasons that are sequencing. Rarely do you have guys with just such good stuff that you knew they were going to strike somebody out before they actually did it. And for me, Wilmer Flores was that guy. And he's pitched a lot more in double A than he has in high A. But his ERA is still under two and a half at the double A level. So whatever he was doing in West Michigan, he's taken up to double A for advanced hitters at advanced ages and in a hitter's ballpark. And he's posted an ERA that is as good as anybody in that Eastern League. So for me, the most impressive player I've seen in West Michigan this year, and there have been more than just one, but for me, it's Wilmer Flores. Everybody says what they want to do, but rarely do people actually follow through on what it is they want to do or what their goals are. Well, there's one player with the West Michigan Whitecaps who always said what he was going to do and then ended up following it up with doing it. That's Josh Crouch. During one of my post-game interviews with Crouch, he talked about how his goal coming into the season was to focus on being the best captain on the field he can be, calling a good game behind the plate in his defensive abilities. Well, turns out that all worked out for him. He's the best defensive catcher in the Midwest League. But that's just the beginning for Josh Crouch. We can talk about the numbers if you'd like. 295 batting average. 373 on base percentage, 10 homers and even 10 homers after his last long ball. He's had an outstanding season, but I think Josh Crouch did exactly what he wanted to do coming into the season. He set his standards high with his own goal and he accomplished what he wanted to exactly. I've I've been thoroughly impressed with Josh Crouch. Well said. That's the latest edition of the RTD Mailbag. It's now time for the road ahead. Lakeland concludes their season on the road at Jupiter. You know, what's interesting is that the low and high A teams are finishing their seasons this week. Double A has an extra week, and Toledo 
has two extra weeks. So if nothing else, we'll have something to talk about for the next couple of weeks. But they're on the road at Jupiter while West Michigan hosts the Great Lakes Loons for six to conclude the year. There is a chance that they'll be playing into the postseason, but they're two games back without the tiebreaker with six games remaining. They're going to need to win some games plus get some help. Erie hosts Altoona for six games. They come into this week tied with Bowie for the top spot in the Eastern League's Southwest Division, and Toledo hosts St. Paul for seven games. That's a look at the road ahead. And that is the latest episode of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. Our thanks to everybody for submitting their questions. Our thanks to Josh Crouch as well as Jonathan Scope. We're back for another episode next week here on the RTD. That does it for this episode. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty, And until next time. See ya! No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work, to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future. Trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours. Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you.